0: It does beg the question, what has gone wrong with young Hollywood? Honest to God, what is the problem? Yeah,
1: yeah. Juicy sweatsuits, doing lines in the restroom. Are y'all dressed to impress?
2: Hello and welcome to season four of Lay Do You Remember This? where we look back on all the stories from Hollywood's best worst decade, the early 2000s, a time in history when America found out that with a trust fund, a sex tape, and a dream, you too could become a star. As always, I'm your host, Dara Lane. Today, we'll begin where we left off last week after the burglary of Audrina Patridge and the public release of her security video footage that shows a young man and young woman breaking in.
1: The teenage bling ring targeting Hollywood's hottest stars is picking up steam. When these kids see something they want, they just steal it. Generation Y? Come on, more like Generation E for entitled.
2: Also, I'm sure they were doing a ton of E. Which, to any kids out there, that's what we used to call Molly before the rebrand. So after the tape was released in February of 2009, the media goes crazy over these unidentified young celebrity burglars. In Nancy Jo Sale's 2013 book about the bling ring, Nick Prugo talks about how anxious he became after the release of these tapes, while his accomplice and number one hag Rachel Lee was calm and detached. Whether that's true or not, in this 2014 Investigation Discovery episode of Tabloid, Nick himself admits there was more to it than that.
1: I don't want to say Rachel and I were proud of what we did, but it was kind of like we were getting some recognition for something publicly, and it was just, it was nice having that um, admiration, but um, it just, you know, it was, it was cool. (laughs) Then, of course, we kept doing what we were doing.
2: Now with a taste for fame, they continue their crime spree in May of 2009 when the gang burglarized Rachel Bilson's home five different times. It's during one of these break-ins where, according to Nick Prugo, his friend Tess Taylor joined in on the fun. Prior to this, Nick Prugo had been styling Tess and her pseudo-sister, Alexis Nyers, for photo shoots with the clothes he pilfered from the different celebrity break-ins. Alexis maintains to this day that they thought he got the clothes through Hollywood Connections, but considering many of their peers reported to police and journalists that Nick and Rachel Lee would brag about their antics at parties, I doubt they chose not to tell Tess and Alexis. Their next break-in doesn't happen until July, and during this interim is when Alexis and Tess sign their contracts for a new e-reality show to be titled Homeschooling with the Arlington's. It all came about earlier in the year when Tess and Alexis landed bit parts in the movie Frat Party, in which they make out with each other while Tess is topless. An actor on set, comedian Dan Levy, not the Schitt's Creek one, the other one, thought they lived wacky lives worthy of a reality show. Their former Playboy model mother homeschooled them during the day using the teachings of The Secret, and by night they were out-of-control party girls in the Hollywood club circuit. He pitched it to Chelsea Handler, and she thought they had the new-age version of the Kardashians on their hands. For Alexis, Tess, and their momager, Andrea Arlington, this dream had been in the making for a while. Here's Alexis on an episode of her podcast.
0: And so my mom, my sisters, and I, every single morning would get together after we smoked a big bowl of weed, (laughs) and we would... Stand in our living room, and we would say, Oh my God, I wish I had the copy of this two page long affirmation. But we would get together, and it basically, to sum it up, it would say, We're working in the entertainment industry, earning upwards of $150,000 a year for the benefit and the good of humanity. And we said this every single day. And so when I remember coming home and telling my mom about meeting Dan, who was the guy that discovered us, and she was like, this is it, it worked. Here we were, we (laughs) sold our show. And when I tell you guys, I'm not lying, we got the exact dollar amount that we said in the affirmation. And this wasn't years later. This was a few months later.
2: After signing the contract, the girls were flush with cash and unbeknownst to E, Tess and Alexis had drug problems, which started to escalate now that they could fully fund their habits. This is Alexis on an episode of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald.
0: Um, So we signed the contract. So when we met in March, we signed the contract in June. Okay. By the first week in July, Tess got kicked out of my mom's house because she was so defiant. My mom was like, I can't have you living here anymore. You're completely out of control. So before the show even started filming, we weren't able to keep it together. I think what happened was, was we had a any signing point? bonus from mm-hmm. the show, and so our, we used all the money for drugs and just became, like, psychopaths. So I know when your mom kicked out fun. Tess, was she at all
1: worried about what that would appear when the cameras come? Because you've got to have I this, think like, she situation. she just thought, like,
0: go try it on your own for a few weeks and see what happens, girls. Like, okay. she was like, get out of my house and see how well you survive. And so I was like, well, if Tess is going, then I'm going too. Because mm-hmm. she was my using like I couldn't survive without her like it was, now we were so enmeshed that it was like if she you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what would I do without her? So you left to go to Nick's And you're staying at Nick's house we're going to stay at Nick's. Okay. And who at this time, like I said young, fun, party like us going to the clubs, blah 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 and often being the designated driver because at this point I was like a blackout um, and so I couldn't be trusted to drive. Okay. And so, yeah, um, she ended up leaving me there after day two to go stay with one of her boyfriends. Left you at Nick's house. Uh huh. And we got in a huge fight. And um, that night, you Nick and Nick, or I, you and Tess? No, me and Tess. Uh huh. And so that night, Nick and I went out, and of course, I wanted to get wasted because I didn't want to deal with the feelings that I had about Tess leaving me and yeah. all of the abandonment coming back and all of that bullshit. So I'm having some Xanax, having some drinks. You know, and um, we leave the club and he drives to Orlando Bloom's house. And at Orlando Bloom's house is, you know, the crew, I guess. And um, the burglary happened. Like, this was another level. Like, I'm fine checking cars, grabbing some change out of someone's center console. I'm not into, like, going into, you know what I mean? Like, Rachel was into, like, stealing the panties and, like, she had, like, a ritual of the experience for her and, and it, for
2: her, it so that was in july of 2009 and that version of events is disputed by nick in nancy Joe sales book he says first Tess and alexis both got kicked out alexis because she got caught smoking oxycontin he also says she wasn't so inebriated that she had no idea what was going on she consciously wanted to join them In her 2019 book, Recovering from Reality, Alexis describes what happened that night as she did in the clip. But one thing she leaves out is that according to security footage, the four people at Orlando Bloom's house that night, Alexis, Nick, Rachel, and Diana, spent three hours at the house coming in and out loading up their car with his stuff. You never see their faces in the video, But one figure, a woman in blue juicy track pants, is seen carrying bags back and forth herself. When Alexis was arrested, she was wearing blue juicy track pants. They're also seen on camera with their hoods up, walking backwards up the hill to shield their faces from the cameras, which seems difficult to do for someone who says they had no idea what was going on because they were so fucked up another thing that i bumped up against with her story is alexis said they didn't know they were going to be robbing people that night or that nick had been robbing people in general but if tess had been to rachel bilson's house months before in may i don't know how it's possible that she didn't fill alexis in on that at orlando's house they ransacked the place stealing a collection of his vintage rolex watches and his girlfriend miranda kerr's clothes and accessories When Orlando found out, he just straight up accused his housekeeper of the crime, which is a tough look on Mr. Katy Perry. Nick and Alexis do leave earlier than Rachel and Diana, who decide to go back in to steal some art off the walls to decorate Rachel's new room at her dad's house in Las Vegas. The absolute balls to steal expensive art from a celebrity's house to spruce up your new big girl room as if you're just shopping the home section of an Urban Outfitters looking for a $30 print of like an illustration of a rib cage with wildflowers growing out of it or like a black and white poster of a giant cassette tape. I don't know, but I could imagine either of those images displayed prominently in Orlando's home. After this robbery, Nick is devastated to find out that Rachel is moving to her dad's house in Las Vegas. Earlier in the month, she had gotten arrested for stealing from a Sephora, which you'd think would be small potatoes compared to shoplifting from famous people's homes and gated communities. But as we've seen, Sephora is a lot more protective over their urban decay and bare minerals than these celebrities were with their Louis Vuittons. Her mom had had enough of her and shipped Rachel off to Vegas, an ideal place for a troublemaker who loves cocaine to relocate. After moving, she returns for a visit in August, and Rachel, Nick, and Diana hit Lindsay Lohan's house. Lindsay seemed to be the hardest home to get into considering she actually locked her doors and windows, but they found one window they could jimmy open with a screwdriver. Nick said that Lindsay's house was a mess with hordes of shopping bags and new clothes all over the place. Which isn't news to you if you watch Lindsay's Oprah docu-series, where she's outed as being one cat skull away from becoming a full-fledged hoarder. They steal a ton, and despite her house already looking like it had been ransacked by robbers when she left it, Lindsay still knew right away she'd been robbed and reported it to the cops. After police checked Lindsay's security camera footage, they saw that the people in that video looked to be the same people who were caught breaking into Audrina Patridge's home. They were also shocked to find out that instead of some group of men, the people involved were small and young, maybe even teenagers. But the police still have no idea who they are and have no leads, so footloose and fancy-free, Rachel gets on a plane back to Vegas, dressed head to toe in Lindsay's clothes, rolling her stolen luggage behind her. A week later, Nick goes rogue and robs Brian Austin Green and Megan Fox's house with only Courtney Ames. Pulling a job without Rachel seems to contradict his stance that she pushed him to do these things. And when he talks to Nancy Joe, he doesn't have much of an explanation as to why he did this aside from he wanted to make her jealous. They stole a few things there, including a case that ended up containing Brian's gun. At the end of August, Lindsay allowed the cops to release her security video of her robbery to the public. And on September 1st, they get an anonymous tip from a young woman who said she overheard Nick Prugo and Rachel Lee bragging about the robberies at a party. They also get another anonymous tip by a one Miss Alexis Nyers.
0: These surveillance videos started coming out of him and Rachel at Lindsay Lohan's house and Andrina Patridge's house and things like that. And they were all over the news and I started calling the cops and I was like, I know these people, here's my information, please call me if you need anything, like I'm here. I even tried to reach out to Lindsay Lohan's manager um,
2: On September 17th, Nick is arrested, though when they search his home, there's nothing incriminating there because he had stashed it all at his unsuspecting grandmother's house. His name and face is blasted on TV. For the time being, Rachel manages to avoid arrest because detectives have a warrant for her California home, but she's already back in Vegas. As detectives question Nick, he does what Rachel always told him to do if they ever got caught. Just say he doesn't know anything, which he does, and he's released on bail. That's when Rachel does something that displays true evil genius, when she anonymously calls up several tabloids to tell them that Nick actually knew Lindsay, and they hung out in Burbank on the set of her film, Labor Pains. And maybe she was trying to stage her own burglary for publicity. TMZ even runs the story, because in 2009, that wasn't exactly out of the realm of possibility for Lindsay. After getting all the tips, the investigation stalls. His and Rachel's faces were visible in the Audrina security video, but it was still grainy and not a slam dunk as far as definitely putting them there at the scene. They had a shot at getting away with it, but then, according to what Nick told Nancy Joe, he began to feel guilty. He can't eat, he can't sleep, his hair's falling out. And he was considering confessing, which his terrible lawyer encourages him to do. Nick confesses to everything, even the Brian Austin Green and Megan Fox burglaries, and Megan and Brian didn't even know they'd been robbed in the first place.
0: Well, yeah. that's not the case, Nick. Like every other person who gets caught, does they he threw every single person right. under the bus? And of course, despite but you my, throwing them under the bus too, you're the one that's calling about it. Well, I mean, you didn't have to call. You could have just kept your mouth shut. I think you do the. I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted okay. to do the right thing, and so and Nick Nick's intention see... was to save his ass. You and know what I mean? Didn't... Like my intention was like, let's stop this, let's stop the robbing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And Nick's was like, how can I get as little jail time as possible? Okay, got it.
2: So then, so then, we're... and here's Nick's perspective on confessing, as told to George Stepanopoulos on Good Morning America.
1: Some of your former friends now say you're a rat. Well, you know, I mean, they're going to say what they're going to say. And I mean, if me taking responsibility for my crimes and trying to help out the police makes me a rat, then so be it. I'm I'm just trying to make amends and do right.
2: I kind of think both of them were trying to save their asses, but who knows. In the first round of Confessing, he rats on Courtney, Rachel, and Diana. At first, Nick tried to protect Tess and Alexis by minimizing their roles in the burglary. I imagine by saying they had some of the stolen property, but not that they participated in the burglaries. Though Alexis says to this day that after the Orlando Bloom night, they stopped having any contact with Nick. There were pictures of the three of them floating around on social media that said otherwise. After Rachel moved, Nick says that Tess and Alexis filled her void. But then he sees a video of Tess walking through West Hollywood, talking to the tabloid website X-17, distancing herself from Nick. What's up,
1: Ms. Taylor? How are you this afternoon? I'm good.
2: How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Good. So um, your acquaintance, Nick Prugo, how do you know that guy?
2: Oh, God. Nick. Um, we've known each other since. So- High school. We went to high school together, and um, he got into some interesting business, and we haven't really been speaking much since. But we go way back.
1: Yeah. So um, I heard he broke into. He was accused of breaking into Lindsay Lohan's house and stealing some of her belongings. Did you know anything about that?
2: Um, I didn't really know much about that until the other night when it came out on <laughs> TMZ. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. Is
1: that when you were out with um, Drake Bell, I guess it
0: I is? I
2: was, we were out hanging out at the Roosevelt.
1: And so is it hanging out or are you guys dating?
2: We were hanging out, I'm not gonna. No. Yeah, we were hanging out and um, Nick just so happened to be there as well and
0: yeah. This pisses
2: him off that Tess would I don't know her him So he changes his mind and spills the vodka Red Bull. He also tells on two other low-key people involved, Johnny Ajar and Roy Lopez, for among other things, their parts in helping sell some of the stolen stuff. Last week, I said Roy was the one who broke into Paris' house with Courtney, but I misspoke. It was actually Johnny Ajar, a.k.a. Johnny Dangerous. Just wanted to clear that up so I can maintain my journalistic integrity.
1: Thanks to Nick ratting out the rest of the ring, Rachel Lee is arrested at her father's house in Las Vegas. Police find her wearing a coat belonging to Lohan, topless photos of Hilton, and $20,000 a $100 bills. When the police arrived to arrest
2: Rachel, she was scared to death, but then she overheard the police talking about Lindsay Lohan.
1: This is great. Lindsay's been asking about those bling ring kids.
2: She all of a sudden tripped up
1: and she turned to the police with a smile on her face and said, Lindsay talked about
2: me. Lindsay was talking about me? Completely starstruck. The other people arrested and searched on October 22nd, 2009 were Alexis, Diana and Courtney. The only one who isn't arrested is Tess. I imagine because she was the only one who wasn't on any security tapes, so they didn't have enough for an arrest warrant. When Tess is brought in for questioning, she does the smart thing and keeps her mouth shut. But when Alexis is arrested, she waves her right to a lawyer and tells them everything she saw at the Orlando Bloom burglary, putting herself at the scene of the crime. All this was happening on their first week of production for their reality show, where Alexis is arrested on the second day of filming, though what you see on the show is actually a reenactment. After her arrest, Alexis is approached by a number of publications to sit down for interviews, but she ultimately only chooses one outlet to speak with, Vanity Fair. In Alexis's account, the journalist assigned to the piece, Nancy Jo Sales, convinced her and her lawyers that the angle of her article was going to be a lot of it Alexis. Everything coming up Alexis, a glowing profile on a young, ingenuine philanthropist who as of yet has not been able to tell her side of the story. If people only knew who she was, they'd love her, and a jury of her peers wouldn't consider putting their new teen dream behind bars. But when the article, titled... The Suspect Wore Louboutins came out on February 1st, 2010. She was very upset to find that it was really about her involvement with the group of young criminals Nancy Joe had named the Bling Ring. Alexis believed that Nancy Joe made her look unlikable, but the thing that really made her mad was that Nancy Joe wrongly reported the kind of shoes she was wearing when she went to her arraignment in court on November 17th, 2009. Nancy Joe, this,
1: you know disapp- jo, this is Alexis Nyers. I'm going to let you know how disappointed. Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyers. I'm going to let you know how disappointed I am in your story, how horrible you me. You and this lied. You, stop you, you lied and stop we it! Stop it, you stop it. it. Stop it you Mom! You lied! Stop! Damn it! Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyers calling. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story. There's many things that I read in here that were false. Like you saying that I wore six-inch Louboutin heels to court with my tweed skirt when I wore four-inch little brown BB shoes. $29! Every time you he yell, I have to re-record it! Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyers calling. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story and the light that you shed on me when I am going through such a hard time in my life. I opened up to you so that way the world could potentially know what a great, amazing, talented, strong, healthy girl that I am. Not even a girl, young woman. I am petrified, petrified with this story. (gasps) I'm so disappointed, and I'm letting you know that I will clear this up. Have a nice life, goodbye. That was beautiful. You did such a good job of expressing yourself.
2: And thus, an enduring meme was born. Throughout the show and the article, Alexis maintains her innocence. She's offered a plea deal, but rejects it wanting to take her chance at trial. But then she finds out that Orlando Bloom is planning to testify at her trial, and her legal team knew that she wouldn't have a chance of being found innocent if he was there wooing the jury. So she pleads no contest to one count of felony burglary and is sentenced to six months in prison and three years of probation. When she served her sentence at the Century Regional Detention Facility on June 21st, 2010, she just so happened to be assigned to the same cell that Paris Hilton once occupied during her prison sentence for a probation violation in 2007. A few weeks into her sentence, Lindsay Lohan moved into the cell next to Alexis's after she was sentenced to prison time for a probation violation when she failed to show up to alcohol education classes.
0: You'd leave Real criminals on the, streets uh, and
2: the other Bling Winger's legal proceedings happened over the next year and a half. In September 2011, Rachel Lee pled no contest to the felony burglary of Audrina's house, receiving a sentence of four years, but only serving a year and four months. Though she had teased cops with the possibility that she would return the stolen items that she had retained, that stuff was never seen again. Nick gave back all of the stolen items he had kept and pled no contest to two counts felony burglary in March 2012 and took a plea deal for two years in prison. The only burglaries he was nailed for were Lindsay's and Audrina's. Another notable event in March 2012 was the beginning of filming for the Bling Ring movie, which was based off Nancy Jo's article and is co-written by her and Sofia Coppola, who directs it. The movie turned out to be a real family affair, as Alexis was paid to be a consultant on the film. Nick was asked to be a consultant, but according to Sophia, he requested that they send a chauffeured car to bring him to set, so that didn't end up happening. (laughs) Another consultant was Brett Goodwin a police officer who worked on the real bling ring case. He was to be on set while they filmed the scene where Emma Watson's Alexis character gets arrested to make sure that the arrest looked real. And one thing led to another, and suddenly he's playing the officer who arrests Alexis, meaning he played himself. The only problem was he only kinda, sorta mentioned to his boss in passing that he might be consulting on a movie depicting an active case that he was working on and never received official approval. The district attorney's office was none too pleased with this and tried to save face by being lenient in the sentencing of Diana Tamayo, Courtney Ames, and Roy Lopez. Diana got three years probation for burglarizing Lindsay's house. Courtney, who wore Lindsay Lohan's stolen rosary necklace to one of her court appearances, and Roy Lopez were both sentenced to three years supervised probation for receiving stolen property. After all that, probation. After sentencing, everyone but Tess and Alexis went their separate ways. Rachel, Courtney, and Diana went off the grid for a long time. Courtney tried to change her name in 2016, and Diana is apparently happily married and working as a personal trainer. Rachel, who turned down an offer to be a consultant on the Bling Ring movie, went to school for cosmetology and credits going to prison as the best thing that ever happened to her. This is a sentiment also echoed by Nick.
1: Of course you're going to regret something like this, but at the same time it made me who I am today. I needed that. I needed that kick in the ass. Even though I lost a year of my life in jail and I do have these two strikes on my record, I am better for it, of course.
2: So much better for it that in 2015, he found himself charged with stalking and solicitation of rape. And that story is another absolutely batshit Los Angeles crime saga. It all begins in May 2013. Nick has been out of prison for about a month after serving one year of his two-year sentence. Nancy Joe's sales is in town from New York, and they meet up at a West Hollywood bar to discuss his time in prison. Before her meeting with Nick, Nancy Joe was to have a drink with a woman named Dawn Louise who was once a source in an article that Nancy Joe wrote years ago. Dawn was a facialist and waxer to the stars-ish, and she'd been featured in Vogue and apparently used to go to the Friends set a lot to give Jennifer Aniston Bikini waxes. Don and Nancy Joe's drinks run long, and Nick shows up to the bar. It comes up that Nick and Don live in the same area in the valley, so she offers to give him a ride. As they cruise the winding road of Laurel Canyon to get back over the hill, they get to talking about 22-year-old Nick's plans for the future. After everything, he still wants to be in show business, and together they come up with an idea for a reality show they'd call High End Heists where he and Tess Taylor would be so-called break-in experts that would go to people's upscale homes and attempt to break in to reveal its security flaws. Dawn takes Nick under her wing and she gets him an agent and a publicist and even contacts his parole officer, convincing him that developing a reality show should fulfill his employment condition of his parole agreement. Nick introduces Don to his friend, Eddie Feinstein, a 29-year-old he met in the gay and transgender wing of the LA Men's Central Jail. He was doing time for stealing $100,000 from a lady dog groomer he worked for, which in my head I picture Lisa Vanderpump and her ex-friend Cedric, who I can't imagine didn't quietly steal hundred K from her at some point. They all become friends, but pretty soon Don realizes that Nick's a little pain in the ass with no work ethic and an attitude. Something that she in no way could have ever predicted. A totally unavoidable blindside from a kid who famously robbed multiple people. Dawn drops the idea for the show and cuts contact with Nick after they get into a huge fight at a party in the Hollywood Hills. She remains friends with Eddie despite knowing that he ripped off some poor middle-aged woman just like herself. Then... Nick starts verbally abusing her through text messages and relentless phone calls, so she finally writes a letter to his parole officer telling him that a friend told her that Nick violated the terms of his parole by doing drugs and leaving the state to go to Vegas. Her informant was actually Eddie. Nick gets shipped back to prison for a spell, and Don continues on with life as usual. Then one day, Don's tires get slashed. She starts getting 300 robocalls a day, anonymous threatening text messages. In her neighborhood, she finds hundreds of flyers littering the street where she lives with Photoshop pictures of her head on bodies doing sexual acts. Strange men start showing up to her business asking for sex. The parishioner at her church gets a lewd email from someone pretending to be Don. Then, numerous men start knocking aggressively on her door in the middle of the night because someone had apparently posted a Craigslist ad as Dawn saying she had a rape fantasy and that any takers should knock on her door in the middle of the night and when she opens it, force their way inside and assault her. Now, obviously, she assumed Nick, a a felon who she had sent back to prison and had a history of harassing her, must be behind this. The most obvious answer is probably the right one, right? Nope. Instead, she thinks the man behind this is her skincare nemesis who had just opened up a competing spa next door. They had gotten into a little spat over loud construction noise coming from his storefront before the harassing began, and Eddie convinced her that this guy had to be the culprit. She goes to the police a few times and keeps telling them that the owner of Smooth Cheeks Skin Care Salon is behind her relentless harassment. They eventually start investigating this, and they go to Eddie and ask if he also thinks it's Sweet Cheeks. Instead of backing her up, he tells them that he thinks she's making it all up to ruin the guy's business, and the cops buy it because why wouldn't they believe a known con artist over the story of a woman? Don doesn't know that Eddie is fucked with her, and one day she texts Eddie saying she found a guy to take out Sweet Cheeks, a former college football player acquaintance she ran into and was telling about the stalking. He joked that the stalker better watch out for him. Eddie takes that text to the police and says, This bitch is serious. There's about to be one less bikini waxer in WeHo if you don't intervene. They arrest her for solicitation of murder, and as they take her away, they tell her that her friend saved her from ruining the rest of her life. Her bail is set at $1 million, and Don ain't living in an apartment in North Hollywood because she has $1 million. So she has to stay in prison for 10 fucking months because cash bail is classist and racist, Google it, and guess which cell she calls home for the better part of a year. Pod 1, cell 26. Former tenants include Paris Hilton and Alexis fucking Nyers. Now, while she rots in a prison cell as she loses her business, her car, and her apartment, the detectives decide to do their fucking job and investigate instead of taking the word of a known con artist who preys upon middle-aged women. And after very minimal digging, they find out that, oh, yeah... Maybe Eddie and Nick, the guy that she got sent back to prison, is actually behind this. Eddie and Nick get arrested and charged with felonies, and Dawn finally sees her day in court. She explains how she was being aggressively stalked for months, manipulated into thinking the culprit was someone it wasn't, and that the text was obviously hyperbole between two friends, and the jury finds her innocent in under 45 minutes. She goes free. You know who else goes free? Nick and Eddie. The rape solicitation charge is tossed out, and the stalking charge is reduced from felony to misdemeanor, so they plead guilty and get community service. That's America, baby. So as it turns out, Nick was the psycho, not Rachel. She just really loved Lindsay Lohan, and who can blame her for that? Maybe that little poopy dupe she took in Rachel Bilson's house wasn't a calculated display of dominance over the rich and beautiful victims she was obsessed with. Maybe it was just an emergency situation, and we can all empathize with that. It is weird that she stole all those ladies' dirty panties, but the proclivity for panties is not one of the criteria on the psychopath evaluation test. And that brings us to the last known whereabouts of Tess and Alexis which we will be getting into in part three of The Bling Ring. I know, I wasn't expecting there'd be a part three either when I started this. Listen, this podcast is Brittany and Kevin chaotic. Expect everything and nothing. There was too much to cover and the remaining information needed its own episode. So next week, we'll backtrack a bit and get into some of the -the behind-the-scenes details of Pretty Wild and the family in general, including Andrea and Gabby, plus Alexis's relentless one-sided feud with Nancy Joe that has spanned a decade, and finish with some investigative journalism that will surely earn me a Pulitzer sooner rather than later. So, you're invited to come back next week. We've got a table, and I've put you on the list. For Lay Do You, Remember This. Lay Do You, Remember This is researched, written, narrated, and edited by me, Dara Lane. If you aren't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a rating and review. You can follow updates on the pod on Instagram and Facebook we also have a private Facebook group you can join and some early 2000s Spotify playlists I've put together. You can find those links on the show's Instagram. And please, if you like the podcast, share it. Tell your friends. It's true what they say. It takes a village to make me famous. If you have any questions, comments, or show suggestions, please email Do you Remember This at gmail.com. You gotta go!